Welcome to the latest edition of Nickel City Soundtrack. In this episode, we had a little, uh, just general talk, core talk episode, if you will. We had Larry from Bleachmouth Postscript join us to talk about a variety of subjects. We had an episode last week, which we have since uh, taken down, and we talked a little bit about what happened with that episode. We also talked about the notion that if rising tides raise all ships in hardcore, so if a band gets really popular in hardcore, what does that mean for other bands in the hardcore scene? We talked about our favorite Terror records because Terror just put out a uh, new single, which is a banger, as they say. (laughs) We also talked about our favorite television shows of all time. We each talked about three shows that we really love. Enjoy this episode and enjoy... Well, what you heard before this was some new intro music we're trying out. Derek put it together. Hope you like it. We'd like to hear some feedback on it, too. We will see you guys on the next one. Welcome to the latest Nickel City soundtrack. We're doing a core talk to replace the core talk that was lost. (laughs) Um, I'm Mark. I'm Alex. I'm Derek. Chris is chewing. I'm JJ. So. (laughs) I'm JJ. Well, I'm got the hair. I've got the hair plugs to prove it. Whoa! What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? Right up here on his his Iron Man trike and kick my ass? Fuck that guy! I'll make fun of his hair plugs all I want. I don't care. Not a hair plug. It's a piece. Yeah, straight up. Sounds like somebody's never heard of the St. Lawrence Seaway. You're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're recording this in the middle of. We don't normally record on Tuesday, but we're recording this because we had we did an episode this past Sunday, which was up for about um, almost twenty four hours, hours. And, and we I heard it down. the whole thing. So those of you who have heard it are lucky to have heard it, so because it was great. No, scandalous? Are they really scandalous? Scandalous. So to we... the Patreon, smash that Patreon button. It was it was a boring episode because everybody just hugged at the end. And uh, that was it. So let's, <laughs> I mean, let's talk about cool. this real quick. So, so basically, we saw there was some uh, an individual posted a video on Facebook, which we saw. Uh, two of our guys were at the show where this 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 uh, in, this incident happened. So we decided we wanted to talk about this incident, and apparently, this incident has led to some some bad things. So. <laughs> That's the nothing story. bad, <laughs> or potentially nothing that was potentially yeah, nothing that things. wasn't already there. You know? I agree. Yeah, yeah. But in the in the in the you know in this for the sake of seeing peace, we we took it down so people don't have real artillery to fire at other people because because we have real artillery. 
good job. You guys, should, you guys should mediate Ukraine and Kiev. <laughs> or Russia, Ukraine, and Russia. Yes, yes. Yes. Like, come on. Like, yes, sure. But do, uh, you, you know, should do a, do a core talk episode with Putin and uh, uh, Zelensky and, and see if you guys can. They were on episode three, man. They were on episode yeah. three before the shit went. And down. that ep- and that that <laughs> episode is missing now too. <laughs> Patreon, it's all there. It's all there, man. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying you guys did a bang up job. $24 a month to get on our Patreon. $24 a month. We'll send you a sticker. So do you guys, do you other guys have any thoughts on the episode? I mean, I do. Brett's uncle is John Wayne Bobbitt. So that was yeah, a, lot, a great, a great story. Thing. Yeah, that story. <laughs> um, that's the, that's my, that's what like my major bummer from that all. That, and I mean, these kids are fighting over dumb shit, but like, yeah, that story the was thing is that funny. The, the thing that, from what I understand, it's not even the two parties involved. It's people getting in their ears, instigating it. And yes. that's like the one thing, like anybody who listens to the podcast, particularly if you're in a younger age group, talk to people you have a problem with. Don't talk to other people about it or listen to other people not involved about it because they'll make it way fucking worse just even talk at, to people even at work and honestly I, like if you can't off. talk to them fucking fight them just get it over with and be done with it and move on yeah i mean even, especially especially when everybody knows that brett's uncle johnny's the one who tagged up that whole basement <laughs> <laughs> i mean really if we're gonna fucking throw stones it's that guy i mean i mean after, after totally hearing covered, those, like, after i hearing, mean yeah, after hearing the Vegas story, I'm like, I don't know. I think it was him. It might not have been after all. Yeah, I mean, everybody missed that it was four skinhead. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they cut that out. But even in like regular life, I freaking hate because I when I hear shit from other people, hate regular that life they, too. That people said about <laughs> about me, like fuck that shit, dude. I, it it enrages me to no fucking end. When I hear oh, and I fully understand like hearing people talk about you and immediately reacting to it because you get fired up. I've fallen into that trap thousands of times, and it took me a really long time to not react to that stuff. So I totally get the the urge to react. Mm-hmm. But just talk to people, talk to the people involved. You have an issue with fucking Jimmy Wanker. Yeah, like what the fuck? What's the issue? You got a fucking problem and, and with Chris. Hit him so, up. so who's Jimmy Wanker? What did he do? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to come up with a name, like a generic name, and I didn't want to throw out like somebody Jimmy who's was... an actual person and have it turn into a thing. Especially Jimmy this day and age. Well, I mean that 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 choice was too bit a uh, too bit on the nose there, Chris. Jimmy Wanker sounds like a Buffalo hardcore pseudonym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's the blanket pseudonym for anyone who sucks. Especially like in this day and age where you can just you can easily contact freaking anyone. It's so like it's so easy to like throw something out and like contact them. You don't gotta like find anybody's phone number, meet somewhere. You can just fucking contact them and you can handle things in a fucking better way. It's even easier just to fucking make a post about it though. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Yes. Contact before you post. I'm just saying, just just say like, hey, this isn't cool instead of making a post about it. And none of this shit happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, leave the spray paint at home, and none of this shit happens. Exactly. But you know, <laughs> yeah. But such is life. Buddy, and... why are you licking my phone? 
have we got <laughs> anything else with this? Uh, violent Way Rules exhibitions awesome. Smash and Grab is the greatest thing in Buffalo. Uh, I downloaded the last episode. I'm going to post it next week on my podcast so you guys can listen no, to it. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, man. It's <laughs> we, we, get, we get permission. We get permission. I mean... I mean, we were just talking about JJ and Harley. This shit is almost reaching that level. And I want to be on yes. the ground floor. I want to, <laughs> let's let's sell tickets. Let's have celebrity boxing matches for charity. Let's um, you know, let's turn this into something, you know, beneficial for the scene. <laughs> on that note, super descent is cool. Casa's a good spot. Hopefully it's still up by the time I get there. Yeah. Yeah, speaking yeah, of that, I just, I just thought love. the whole, I thought the whole thing was wildly entertaining. <laughs> I was like <laughs> laughing my ass off. That's why we did different. it, though. Like, but people gotta like get get crazy about shit, you know. I mean, that's why we, we did it. But that's Again, just it. People, people, who people are gonna involved get... in the conflict. Yeah, yeah it's people, people who are... weren't involved in the conflict fueling the fire. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. People, you know? people are gonna get crazy, and that's just I don't know. <laughs> Such is life, as they say. Um, so actually speaking of shows, so there's, this is going to be out some, we're going to probably put this out soonish, right? Right. That's up to the onion eater. (laughs) Sure. So so the show's coming up real quick. So there's a show February or not February, March 14th, year of the knife, restraining order, uh, final declaration. Who else on that show? A couple other bands. Sorry if we didn't mention who you were. Uh, Missing Link, was Missing that Link, it? yeah, that that band yeah. was on there. Um, and February or why do you keep saying fucking February? <laughs> March fifteenth, no, no, Dare Karma, uh, Smash and Grab playing at Casa di Francesca. So check those out. Man, so and uh, the also playing. playing too. Come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stand alone and hold out. Stand alone, yes. That's Ron's band, right? Yeah. Awesome. Cool to see Ron hitting some drums. He plays drums in that, right? Yes. Ronnie's, so, yeah. Ronnie's a singing a band. <laughs> I think. Ronnie's got a brutal voice. Yes, he, he needs to sing in a band. So he's got some, good energy too. Definitely. There's some what other shows are coming up, just so we can quickly like cover that. Isn't Extinction AD playing here sometime soon? Isn't that a thing? Oh god. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh what other shows is there besides that metal show that would be considered to be a metal show i saw that band in uh yeah extension ad is a metal band well anyway that show that's that show i'm just looking right here just give like a give a pissing match a little shine too march 21st yeah. oh world on fire is playing too so world on fire rhythm of fear extension ad and pissing match at mohawk place on March 21st, which what day of the week is that? That is Monday on March that show. 21st. Was that? Who's putting on that show? I think Sean might be. Or maybe the Mohawk. I don't yeah, know. one or the other. I, I guess it's not a metal show. It's like a hardcore show with one metal band. Yeah. Headlining. So there we go. So check that out if you can. Well, it depends how metal they are. I mean, you get, you know, a certain, uh, certain amount of metal. In the room, dilutes the whole. They're thing. like Lamore. I mean, metal. it's it's They're not like, okay. Yeah, they, they, they just doesn't understand chemistry. Is what I like that. 
yeah. yeah, those dudes used to be in hardcore bands, and then yeah. they just did this other thing. I don't know. What a segue. <laughs> oh, Crowbar's playing. Oh, where was where, Is that it? Um, where is that? It's at the rec room. It's uh, Thursday next Thursday. I don't know what the day is, but I'm gonna look it up real quick while we're uh, just so we seventeenth. Seventeenth at the rec room. Let's see. Crowbar. It's March sixteenth with uh, some bands which I've never heard of. <laughs> also, uh, Chris, I don't that know if you want to. I would have gone. I don't know if you want to make the trip out, but the Bouncing Souls are playing on April twenty seventh. Uh, <laughs> when either. is um? <laughs> when is Snapcase or Crisis and Strife? I feel like that's May thirteenth. E. It's also oh, the same weekend as uh, B&B. Who's headlining uh, B&B this year? Um, sick of it all on Agnostic Front. Cool. Uh, I'm also forgetting about the, the negative approach, seven seconds. Oh, Jesus Christ. What are we thinking? Yeah. What day is that show? The 22nd, I think, at the town? Yeah. I think it's March 22nd of March. Yeah. It's at the end of happening. Yeah. And then after that, there's nothing. Check it out. Yeah, the California Takeover show is Snapcase Strife. I think it's sold out anyway. Snapcase Strife or Crisis, One Step Closer, and Be Well. So it's a good lineup. I feel like if there was somebody who needed to get in, we could figure out a way to get them in. Oh, really? Not that we have any pull or anything, but I can always, I, I can always find a way in and sell some of my tickets. So, you know, yeah, there's always ways for everything. If you want know, to see the non-California takeover, that, uh, Larry, we, we I know for a fact. Uh, out a way to get no, I, I, I've, I've yeah. completely checked out. <laughs> I mean, even, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Some people definitely uh, you know, bought uh, tickets for the first one because Buried Alive was playing and are not interested now. Like, I, I know weird. a couple wow. people that dumped their tickets. I think it's Tara's on tour. It's because Tara's on tour. Yeah, but yeah. it's still, it's still weird to buy a very live tickets for the town ballroom when you can see them in a smaller place and that was like a thing but whatever it's fine yeah but i feel I mean, like the that show had a wider reach than some of the smaller buried alive ones you know yeah. as far as finding out where the shows are and they can drink at the town ballroom <laughs> that band was the main draw for me but i would have gone to the show without them too so Sorry, and i will go to the show without them yeah because your favorite band be well is playing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so am I gonna see you guys crying during Be Well? Is that what's gonna happen? It's not it's like okay. that, man. It's just it's just being able to relate, man. Dude, Darrell does not cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Derek, I am crying. <laughs> All right, so the other day I was cutting some onions and I felt a tear in my mustache. I said, "No, throw it back up." <laughs> oh, wait, one more show, one more show that I wanted to talk about. Um. April 1st, um, Tension is playing with, what's Jeffers band called? GOA <laughs> and uh, GOA and I'm sure some other bands are playing that show as well. I think that's at the Mohawk place. The Enemies. Awesome. Oh, that's an interesting lineup. And I may or may not be guest vocaling for GOA on a couple of songs at that show. We're, we're still in talks with my, my management. Nice. We're still talking it up. So for those who don't (laughs) know, enemies are like early Buffalo punk, like early 80s. 
Buffalo Punk. Like if you dig tension and you kind of dig what GOA is doing, you should definitely go and check out the enemies. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so let's get to the one of the reasons we want we want to do this episode. So food. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> so I know no, I'm well, whatever. We're gonna talk about freaking turnstile because we because we're freaking we're we can talk about freaking turnstile. I don't care if no one gives a shit. We're gonna talk about it. And I really could give two shits if someone thinks I don't matter because I have an opinion and I my opinion is valid. So fuck whoever thinks it's not. First of all. Okay. There's a notion. I know you guys know, we all know turnstile and all that stuff. Do we think we've heard the term like right, it's a rising tides, rising tide raises all ships? Do we think that turnstile will raise the profile of the hardcore scene and i mean anything related to that we can talk about i mean in my to start it off i don't think the hardcore scene is something that needs to be raised i don't think i don't think i got into hardcore to listen to a bunch of bands that normal people listen to as well i don't want to be part of any normal scene if you want to go be a hardcore band and and get you know get a wider reach that's cool no hate on that but you know it's to me it's not hardcore it's it's something else and go be something else that's totally fine you know the new turnstile record is my favorite turnstile record it's the only turnstile record i like and good for them you know i'm it's cool i don't hate them i mean i think from this whole last little time frame i think i hate people who like prop them up to the freaking moon more than i hate i don't hate them but i hate the people who like just blow their 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 stamp or their their influence out of proportion, whatever. Whatever. But someone else talk about this and let's get this going. The guy that just pumps rainbows up Turnstile's ass on the internet is the most fucking annoying guy on the entire internet. If you like it, cool. If it's not for you, fine. Who fucking cares? There's no point in being a hater. Like I don't like the record all that much. I think it's fine. But I also don't fucking care if somebody else likes it, you know? And I don't think, I don't think that this is going to have any meaningful impact on hardcore writ large. It's just like, it's fucking nonsense. And they're not even playing hardcore shows. They're not going to pull people into hardcore. I guarantee you that the average person that discovers them from shit like Jimmy Kimmel or whatever uh, is just going to, listen to the new record, not even dig deeper. If they do dig deeper into their catalog, they're not going to fucking care about anything that actually sounds vaguely like a hardcore record. They're certainly not going to look at thanks lists or anything like that, or like fucking anything. It's just, that's going to be it. And then they're going to go back to listening to fucking Justin Bieber. And that's fine. If it makes people happy, who gives a shit? Don't you mean Avril Lavigne or Olivia Rodrigo, not Justin Bieber? Dude, I don't fucking know what the kids listen to these days. I am. I'm decrepit. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm with Alex on most of that. I think, you know, full disclosure, I dislike that band intensely. I, I can't stand them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, to the people who love them, unlike, I'm sort of different with mark on this i don't my opinion doesn't matter 
in the big picture of things because, but I also don't care enough about whether people think my opinion matters. I'm just like, oh, okay. You know I mean? Like, that's fine. They're a band for somebody else and that's totally fine. And in a way I'm glad they exist because there are a lot of people who enjoy it, you know, and that's me being real diplomatic and nice about it, but I can't, I can't stand them. I, I hate the band. I just don't like it. As far as raising other ships, I'm with Alex. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There's nobody, nobody's ever going to make the leap from turnstile to a lot of the hardcore bands that, um, especially the ones in particular that I love, you know, I mean, they maybe, maybe they'll listen to, I don't know, Gorilla Biscuits. Maybe they'll listen to Bad Brains, but they'll never, they'll never go much further beyond that. It'll be like, you'll never see one of those kids like, oh, I really love Infest Slave. I really love <laughs> Leeway's Born to Expire. I, Nobody's going to make the to No, well, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? No, I mean, like there's, there's yeah, a yeah. certain, there's a certain amount of hardcore that just, it's not, it's not going to raise all ships. Ultimately, nobody cares. As soon as, as soon as a gravy train is gone, they're going to be done. I mean, the best that those guys can really hope for is to be a legacy act the way sick of it all is. And, and I hope they do. I hope that they keep touring and do God bless them. I'm not trying to shit on them or hate on them, but it'll never be, you know, I mean, a good analogy is if, if you look at the thrash metal boom and you see the amount of units that like Metallica was selling even before the black album, how many other thrash bands reached that level and got that mainstream critical mass anthrax barely Megadeth, maybe, but there's a whole world of thrash metal bands that while they're able to tour on their name, nobody cares about thrash metal. And it's going to be the same thing for hardcore. They're going to look at Turnstile. That's the Metallica. Everybody else are just these fucking runners up, which is fine because those are the better bands, right? So there you go. But I, 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 I do think that they will be, in a weird way, they will be the biggest gateway band. Like, I think a lot of kids will get into hardcore, but they're going to leave Turnstile by the wayside. I don't think that's going to make the other bands popular in a mainstream sense. I think more kids are going to dive into the underground. I don't think it'll raise it to the consciousness of the rest of the mainstream, though. It just isn't going to happen. The closest, the closest analog to this phenomenon, as far as recent times, semi-recent times, is Hatebreed, who yeah. went from being an enormous fucking hardcore band to just being like a you know, C-tier metal band playing venues like right. Town Ball and doing doing well, <clears throat> making a living doing that shit. But like, you go see Hatebreed now, you might have a couple hardcore kids that show up because they want to see them play the two songs off Satisfaction that they're going to do. Uh, but the metalheads are just like, what the fuck is this shit that doesn't have these, these fucking bass drops in it? I don't understand. <laughs> and like, there's there's no... There's no cross pollination there. It's just like people kind of paying attention in shifts, you know? Yeah. And really, turnstiles are only going to be as big as they are now unless they start going into deeper waters as far as mainstream music and and leaving hardcore behind. Yeah, it's I mean, surprising. Their next move, it's like, su- their next move would have to be a Coachella or South by Southwest type thing. Well, I to, mean, they'd to have to increase change in their that, sound. In that, 
I'm not, I'm not saying they would headline Coachella. Like they may be like band one or two on the first day, but that's, that's the trajectory to keep, to keep their trajectory. That's where they, in my, and that's where they have to go. They've already played Coachella. Oh, did they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, the conceit. The conceit is that well, they're a hardcore band at all, right? Right. So sure. they would have to eschew all hardcore tendencies to get bigger than they are now. It just won't happen. And therefore, other bands that sound closer akin to what we feel as hardcore bands are not going to be helped at helped at all by any of that. It's just because they're not going to be that thing anymore. You know. And again, I'm trying not to be a hater. I wish them all the best. And, you know, the kids like them. That's cool, man. They're You're allowed to have your own bands and your own likes. And, you know, um, I don't give a shit whether you think I'm a dusty old fart or not, but I'm also not mad at you for liking them. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's cool. But I think I, think I just there's don't a lot think of, they're going to help anybody. I think there's a lot of dusty old farts that like them. It's like, surprisingly, our guitar player loves them. Our guitar player loves them, and I'm like, so you're kicking how, them out, right? Well, I asked. I, I told him he better not wear a shirt to practice ever again. I can't have him, you know, polluting <laughs> a the shirt? songwriting process. <laughs> oh yeah, he wore it to last oh, practice. Great. I said, you are not, you're not polluting my songwriting process. <laughs> I'm in a zone right now. How am I going to write songs about Ohio much in the same way Anthony Kiedis writes songs about California if you're wearing that fucking turnstile shirt, dude? (laughs) Taking me out of my place. I think a lot of those dusty old farts, though, are are like kind of putting on like the the people, the people that are really like demonstrative about like, I'm a fucking turnstile guy. Like, I think they're they're putting on in like total fucking hello, fellow kids shit. It's like it just it seems like fucking self parody when that, some fifty year old man is like, oh this this is the they've reinvented the fucking wheel. Can we give these guys the Nobel Peace Prize? Here's yeah, here's the thing. There's a band that I'm not. There's a band that I'm not going to mention that I think is the exact trajectory for Turnstile, and I guarantee you, five years from now, people are going to laugh at the big deal that was made about Turnstile, at least broadly speaking. <laughs> I almost so the, guarantee it. And I, is, I will text you this. I will text you this band because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> anyway, I'm done. That's my uh, little monologue there. If it's Civ, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> well, you know. Well, it's, Civ didn't reach that level, though. Like, Civ didn't even get there. Yeah. And, it, like, you, it seemed like they were a lot bigger band than they were, but they were never really that because they were playing big tours and stuff, and people act like, yeah. You play a big tour, you're big, and that doesn't really mean anything, you know? No, I mean, Shelter played with fucking No Doubt, and Shelter never made it, like... And Shelter was the most accessible of all those bands. Yeah. Even, like, I would dare say that Shelter is on par with Turnstile for accessibility with the Turnstile's current thing going on, maybe even more accessible, and they didn't even get to that level. I mean, so you're that, telling me we're going to get a Turnstile ska song? I mean, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. That shelter move hurt them. Yeah, they got less popular. You know, like what they tried to do. They never. Well, it got didn't help that they mainstream. were writing shitty songs. They, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They tried to write songs that were accessible, and they got a big tour, but like mm-hmm. they lost all their fans that they had, and like no one yeah. was buying that new shit. Good riddance. I think Turnstile will make a lot of like they'll make a lot of adjacent hardcore bands bigger, but I don't know if they'll make hardcore bands bigger. 
like bands that like maybe were hardcore or had hardcore members and like in that scene i think they'll get those bands will like get an uptick but you know i mean the the true test to what you're saying is to watch angel dust because angel dust is a similar band in that it's hardcore dudes doing a different thing hardcore adjacent if you will same label Mm-hmm. I mean, they're interconnected, you know. If are they good? If anyone, if listened. anyone is going to rise, like if any ship is going to rise, what's that? I've never heard them, so I don't, I can't. Uh, you won't like them. Yeah, you won't like them. Their if early stuff was ship, okay. Yeah, but no, if any not. ship is going to rise because of turnstile, <laughs> okay. it would be the Angel Dust ship. <laughs> it's all right if you're into like, uh, who are they compared to? Like lemon heads and teenage bottle rocket or something like that like i don't know i I don't listen to those bands so i can't say i'm just trying to think of who they've been compared to Mm -hmm. and again another it's a live thing they're better live than they are recorded they're gonna kind of get like fucked on the live thing though because like they're a hardcore band and like when they were on like uh seth seth myers like it wasn't cool because there was they were playing like in front of no one when they played on jimmy kimmel it was better but like their whole thing was their live performance and how like awesome it was and they they're not gonna be able to do that anymore with these big crowds you're not gonna have like barrier barrierless shows it's just not, not gonna work out that yeah way. i i going on that i question if if uh the singer brandon brendan whatever his name is if he's a strong enough front man to be able to own a stadium a la uh, Anthony Kiedis or yeah, <laughs> Anthony Kiedis or but even saying like like when Murphy's Law opened for the Misfits Jimmy turns uh, whatever that place whatever that stadium in Jersey into a show you know it wasn't a concert he turned it into a show I thought and not I thought everyone could was, do that was the better example there I mean Mike was Mike was like running fucking wind sprints and he he yeah, had, but they suicide has been playing stadiums. Suicide has yeah. been playing stadiums for thirty years. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, like he his his thing is down. Whether he's playing a small venue or a stadium, suicidal, suicidal. Fair enough. But like Murphy's mm-hmm. Law, who generally only plays in front of maybe two hundred people on a good night, he turned that stadium into like a small venue. Well, you know, I mean, and not not everyone has that power. No, I understand that, and I'm saying like. I don't know that that dude has even a shred of that charisma to be able to do that because like the little clip I watched of uh, Seth Meyer, he kind of looked lost in what to do. And a little bit of the clip that I watched from whatever the last one was, he kind of looked a little lost on what to do. Like he hasn't figured himself like, if we're going to be a stadium band, how do I do this? But isn't that apples and oranges? Because he's in a studio. He's not actually in a stadium in that context. I, I know a dude who straight up only listens to D beat and crust punk and he hates their records, but he will go see them play live. Cause like, it's the most fun he has at shows, you know, mm-hmm. he goes, I, I can't listen to the records. He goes, but I'll go see him play. So, I mean, maybe, maybe the stadium thing will come to him. Maybe he'll grow into it. I mean, really the big question maybe, is but like what I'm saying is like, if they're playing a show where they have a barrier and there's a six foot gap between the stage and the barrier, can he close that gap? Like, does he, does he have, is he a strong enough front man to close that gap? The times that I've seen him, like, I think he has the ability to 
uh, like incite the crowd to do stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I kind of agree with Larry saying that it's like he's in a studio and you're not like talking to anybody. You're just playing your song. And it's got to be weird to do that. Yeah. Like, very weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, will I mean, say the one, go ahead. No, no, I'm fine. Go ahead. I was going to say, I will say the one thing I'm super excited about the possibility of them doing a, a, a guest vocal of from Haley Williams from Paramore on one of the records. I'm excited <laughs> to hear that. I think, I think that will break them huge. <laughs> it'll definitely open them up into that crowd if it yeah. hasn't if they haven't already i mean they're a fun <laughs> band i mean i think i think they can do really well and jesus she'll, christ she'll be able to introduce them she'll be able to introduce them into the real world you ever you guys ever look at like spotify <laughs> monthly oh my god dude i, I can't believe i know that reference my daughter <laughs> loves that song and it, like it's an earworm like i hate it hate it hate it but that <laughs> you hear it and i'm just like oh my god just go away it's like a recurring nightmare you know have you ever guys ever looked at spotify monthly listeners and like nope. use that to gauge like how big a band is no i don't use spotify so I, i've never messed with it so like a band like turns like their monthly listeners are like um Let's see, turnstile. I think it's like nine hundred thousand. And that's that's good for them. That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> you know, eight, no, actually eight hundred and seventy-eight thousand now. Well, like, how many monthly listeners? Going do you, down. How many monthly listeners do you think like Paramore has? Twelve. <laughs> At what this point? Oh wait, I, I thought like you meant the average age of listeners. Was that fifty million? Fourteen million. Oh Damn. wow. I've never heard a Paramore song. Yes, yes you, you have. have. Well, yes, I know that one have. song. That one song. I do. I know that yeah, one that, song. That that's it. <laughs> Living in the real world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, they could I'm, either get her or Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, I think either way it would be a perfect match. <laughs> well, well they, what you, they have that Disney girl uh, with them. What the hell is their name? Uh, Demi, Demi Lovato. I think you guys told me. Uh, I forgot. Didn't they have that Disney person? Who? I mean, yeah, Demi Lovato sure doesn't mean she recorded with. All <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. So Did like, you say, Did, so you know, I almost Metallica. said you mean Moana. I'm... <laughs> so you guys know Metallica is playing Buffalo in like August or whatever, right? And like, do you are you familiar with the band Ice Nine Kills? Yeah, I no. know of them. Yeah. So no. like, if how many add, listeners do they have? One million three hundred thousand. So like, I've never, literally never, there's a lot of bands like that you've never heard that are bigger than Turnstile because we're like so close yeah. to it. And like, I, I think that's like, I think people are overhyping like what they, like how big they're going to get when they've gotten bigger than they were and they're acting like that's like the world, like they're Nirvana, but that's not going to happen. They're, yeah, they are not Nirvana. <laughs> well, who, who would you say as far as hardcore goes, aside from hate breed? Look at Hate Breeds listeners and then maybe sick of it all because I'm interested in seeing what those two huge, totally huge names have as far as monthly listeners okay. in relation to Turnstile. So, Hate Breed. Well, the thing about Hate Breed, though, like Hate Breed went the metal route within two or three years of their well, inception. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, I mean, let's, let's, speaking broadly, let's mm-hmm. include Hate Breed in like, because we're talking about a band that eventually will leave hardcore. 
So, I mean, let's let's look at hate breed and compare return style as far as like the numbers they have. So, hate breed is like one million one hundred thousand, as far right. as there, as far as there, and they're like they're they're like they're there, like they're not going. They probably will always be there unless something major yeah. happens where they like it, it upticks. As long as there's, I mean, really, really the only thing that like, would the only thing that would derail hate breed is if Jamie dies. Yeah, like, so contextualize it with uh, with a pretty fucking large hardcore band he's Terror not gonna... has 121,000 yeah and sick of it all is 104,000 so. wow wow I don't That's know that like me. what about what about knock loose knock loose you looking it up Alex because while while we don't necessarily recognize mm-hmm. knock loose as the hardcore that we all know and love, they I are, don't know if they, they do are, fall. They do fall them. under the umbrella, and they're pretty big. Three hundred and sixty-one thousand. Yeah. And how about Vane? Vane, that's interesting. Vane FM. Vane FM is uh, one hundred sixty-four thousand, but they're they're uh, they just had a record come out. They're like going to be on an uptick. They're going to get right. bigger. So, Knock loose is probably the most comparable thing. As far as hardcore and turnstile, because I feel like Knock Loose might be, for what people consider hardcore, Knock Loose might be the biggest band right now. Well, I'll say this, uh, and and oh, Turnstile blows them out by like six hundred thousand listeners. But saying that, yeah, I think I think a band like Knock Loose would bring up hardcore bands more than like a band like Turnstile. I think would because I think a Knock Loose fan would be more apt to like listen to hardcore than a turnstile and a new turnstile fan. I so think. here's another thing to look at. Look at a Muir and Acacia strain. Because Knock Loose, I feel like, is in that vein. More Amur, so than say like terror. Four hundred fifty one thousand for a Muir. And Acacia strain. For those fifty nine thousand for Acacia strain. For those who haven't seen the Amur electrocution video, watch it. It's it's it it's it sucks that it happened to the dude, but watch it on YouTube. It's kind of he, he's alive, so it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of raising all ships, we're in waters that I am unfamiliar with. I don't know any of these fucking bands, man. I mean, I've heard the names, but I've never listened to yeah. them. So yeah, I mean, I've never yeah. listened to them either, but I know that they they have a at least a root in hardcore, and then went into something else. Hey, Amir's from Queens, I think. I think. Okay, I've never seen anyone here wear a shirt, but that doesn't mean anything. I wish I, I I wish them all the success. I think that it'd be great if those guys in Turnstile could like really keep keep some momentum to where if they ever plateau, they could at least still tour on the name and, mm-hmm. and keep putting out records that people enjoy. I don't have to fucking like it, but I, I hope that they, I really mean this. I hope that they stay successful. I mean, it's, it's an, it's a neat little, you know, footnote to sort of acknowledge, but I don't think, I don't think anything is going to come of it for everybody else necessarily, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely don't think that it's going to like raise any waters or like, you know, raise anyone else's ships as the kids like to say, like there's a there's a big leap from turnstile to as some people have said like harm's way and some of the other bigger yeah hardcore-ish or hardcore adjacent bands like there's a big leap and there's definitely like oceans between turnstile and a, and a band like infest or even like a youth of today or even a terror you know like i i 
I think that certain pieces of the hardcore scene will profit from turnstiles rising ship because when people go to watch turnstile videos there's particular channels that will see revenue from that but i don't think that bands themselves like other bands aren't going to suddenly become discovered this isn't seattle 1993 this isn't the la strip 82 like everyone's not going to be trying to find the next turnstile and even if they are trying to find the next turnstile they're not going to be looking at a knock loser terror because to them that's not that doesn't sound like turnstile yeah well they're not going to be able to sell it either at least in the numbers that they want you know Akulu no. is a Akulu is a test case since they're going on the turnstile tour we'll see how they mm, we'll maybe see how that tick. works out yeah and I, and you know even Akulu Akulu may benefit from that and Akulu is at least aesthetically somewhat in the turnstile vein of kind of neutral eye appealing art if you're into that type of thing mm-hmm. you know and it's a, it's a weird name that like some high school came with it yeah man listen to Akulu you know <laughs> it's world music Akulu is world music <laughs> yeah yeah like probably going to kind of fuck them is the fact that they are a DIY band and like you look at their LP it's like this was the hottest record of last year for mm-hmm. a long time as far as like people getting their hands on it they did like 500 or a thousand copies and it sold out in like less than 24 hours yeah. and then it took them months to 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 get any more and like yeah are they going to have anything to even sell other than just saying like oh go hit our record on Spotify yeah. And you know, here's yeah, here's but I mean, wacky shirt. that that that's enough. Like, uh, uh, Conway the Machine's new record not available on any physical format, but it's streaming everywhere because people stream. Yeah. You know, um, the one West Side Gun record that's like my favorite one that came out on Shady, the the Sunshine one. There's no physical copies of that in existence, but you can find it. Like, it's readily there. At, you know on your phone on your computer on your tv like whatever yeah you know so like the the audience that turnstile is appealing to don't necessarily need a physical copy of something if they like a kulu they'll hit spotify they'll hit apple music they'll maybe they'll buy a shirt uh if, if the shirt is aesthetically pleasing to to their parents mainstream <laughs> viewpoints you know (laughs) yeah and their parents or what have you you know so yeah akula will be a good test to see if uh this rising tide raises these ships or just fucking sinks them also like um as somebody on another podcast said like being on even like as far as turns out being on jimmy kimmel and like late night shows doesn't mean what it used to mean like who the hell watches late night tv like the number right. one, the number one rated late night TV show is a Fox News show, like right now, and that's yeah. our freaking cable. So yeah. and not like everyone's watching that, this stuff, right? And to that point, like past bands that have been on those shows, like the Jimmy Kimmels and the the whatevers, those bands did everything in their power to shout out and put a spotlight on other bands. Mm-hmm whether it was duct taping names onto their speakers, wearing shirts, you know, like I, I see, maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like there was some band that did a thing and the dude kept taking a shirt off. And it was like a different thing underneath it every time. 
Uh, and Turnstile, like, they get on to Jimmy Kimmel and they get on to Seth Meyer and they're wearing their costumes. You know, even, like, they're not wearing any band shirts. They got nothing to signify any other bands. They're not promoting their friends. They're not helping out any other... You know what I'm saying? Like, here's an opportunity to raise the other ships with your rising tide and you just... Nope. So yeah, but maybe, maybe you do that because, like half the people are going to be fucking pissed at you because you put this band on and not this other band who you thought you were friends with and shit. Like, like we're not going to deal with any of that drama. But like the, (laughs) the, the most glaring one is like angel dust. They're practically the same band. Like they, they share members on tours and stuff, you know, like even like trapped under ice, you wear a fucking trapped under ice shirt. And then other people like, Oh, what's that? Let me look into it. And then maybe they get into actual hardcore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, dude played drums and Trapped Under Ice. Franz was, like, Trapped Under Ice's number one guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the band kind of wouldn't exist without Trapped Under Ice. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's, it's, I don't know, like, it's just, to me, that's a glaring, like, hardcore is a thing of the past for them. I'll and tell I you this, the studio podcast, audience. Somebody said, like, the turnstile you're seeing now yeah. is not off. you're not going to see them in a hardcore context, but you're not going to necessarily get it. Mm-hmm. Also, I was to in the your studio point. audience for Letterman like ten years ago, and uh, Explosions in the Sky played. And I'll tell you this: they're not a fucking big deal. Yeah, <laughs> like they have fewer Dude. monthly listeners than Turnstile. Like that shit H2O doesn't fucking played, matter. H two O played one of those. I forget which one it was. At their at their like height on a major label or whatever, and like it didn't really do anything for them. But they were wearing fucking Madball, Scarhead, and DMS shit all throughout the entire fucking thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I guess like I guess like propping up your friends is dusty shit. <laughs> I, I mean, I I still I again I will say it again. I still think they're going to be the biggest gateway band, but I don't think that that's going to translate to mainstream appeal. I think a ton of kids are going to be like, book. oh, they're they're going to what they're going to do is they're going to hear Turnstile and they're going to start investigating, and then they might leave Turnstile behind. You know, yeah, and, it'll be a great get into other machine. things. Yeah. Or like certain people who like every single shirt that Kurt Cobain wore, they listen to those bands and they eventually found their way to hardcore. But yep. those are few and far SSD. Yep. Right. SSD. <laughs> right. Like even Nirvana, like yep. they, yeah. they literally wore their influences on their sleeve. Well, he went out of know? his way to talk about the bands too. It's usually show, chest so. print, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nirvana actually did try to they they tried to like bring like all sorts of like their heroes on tour and stuff and See, I don't know it didn't do anything for that, their heroes. That is a ship on a rising tide raising other ships. And I'm they, not a Nirvana fan. Like I'm not a Nirvana fan, but like well, but that's how they, you do it. But they're taking a cool in a bunch of other bands, right? I mean I think cool yeah, so they, like, are, they are on the tour, but like how many people mean that saw though, them on Seth Meyers or whatever are actually going to go yeah, see yeah. them play live? But I oh. saw, well, sorry, I saw Nirvana with the Boredoms and Meat Puppets, and it did nothing for the Meat Puppets or the Boredoms. So, because Nirvana's a different <laughs> well, thing. Because those bands suck. But Nirvana's a completely different thing than those bands, which is yeah. kind of yeah. like the, you know, the thing. The other thing about the late night shows is this those shows have bands on like three to five nights a week where they'll just have a band come on and play a couple songs and go. That's fucking constantly. Like those things don't actually catch people's eyes for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
the hardcore kids are glomming onto this, like these late night appearances, because it's their thing in a place where they don't expect it. Yeah. But it's kind of like how, you know, the day that you meet the president and shake his hand is a day that you tell your fucking grandkids about. But to the president, it was just fucking three seconds of a random Tuesday. Yeah. And hoping he didn't get COVID. Like, since when in hardcore did we want to be accepted by the mainstream? Like, that's that's my big issue with all this stuff. Like, why? Like, we don't, we didn't, we never, like, when was this an aspiration for hardcore kids to, like, be accepted by the mainstream? It never was. At least not in my mind. Maybe for other hardcore kids, it is. I, I, I think for some it was. And when they didn't reach a certain level, they dropped out. Yeah. You know, when people didn't necessarily care about their band, they dropped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then came back at 42. Yeah. If they would have, <laughs> you know, if they would have pulled something like Fear on SNL back in 81, then I'd be like, okay, Turnstile is my new band. But right. <laughs> that didn't happen. But they're not going to, they're not going to like fuck up their chance like that. Yeah. Like nobody's going to fuck up their chance like that. You know, nobody's going to be like, oh man, we're going to play Saturday Night Live. Let's get fucking wild and burn the studio down. They're not going to do that because they're like, no, we're on the trajectory. We're on our way up. No, I, I, I get it. I just, I think it's going to be, I, again, I think that them being on late night, it's going to be a footnote, an, an interesting footnote. And that's that. I don't think it'll have the legendary impact as, you know, say like fear and SNL. Like when I was a mm-hmm. kid, I w- wish I was looking for my friends who had videotapes of that. Cause you know, I yeah. was too young to have seen that. And I was like, then when yeah. I saw it, I'm like, Oh my God, that's insane. You know? Yeah. Um, and know. if that it's, happened again, it would seem contrived. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah I was, and they wouldn't like, they wouldn't make it out of the studio. They'd be fucking arrested on the spot. Well, like 15 years ago, I went up to Toronto to see Fucked Up play in studio for MTV Canada. And uh they like they played a couple songs, and I'm not kidding, like kids were like ripping the grates off the front of the stage and throwing them in the air. Like she, <laughs> she was just like they were wrecking the place, like straight up fucking wrecking the place. And it was like it was fun and people talked about it for like i don't know two minutes and then it was just done like it it just some people were just like yeah that's just like again just contrived bullshit and it just didn't resonate because it wasn't organic yeah there has to be a moratorium on that stuff that wild ass shit before anybody takes it seriously again cleveland did a lot to ruin that sort of aesthetic I mean, bad luck thirteen too. Like nobody's gonna top that. So anyone trying, like, so trying. Speaking of that, like, like you know, like ruining your your shot or whatever. Freaking Rage Against the Machine went on Saturday Night Live and they played one song and they got kicked off the show because of what they did. They had like upside down American flags on their on their equipment and they they didn't play a second song. They got kicked off and it. I guess it didn't really hurt them. I think it made them more heroes than anything else. I think but... it worked more in a benefit. I think the only thing that like heroes to guys like Paul Ryan. I mean, that band is such a <laughs> which fucking, is a weird, that's a phony thing. ass I mean, fucking unexpected, band. Man. But... Those guys. Yeah, but they're still huge. Yeah. They're still like gigantic. Yeah, like yeah. and they've done nothing in like twenty years, <laughs> and they're still like huge. Come on, there's the chips touring. They rose though, because those were all hard. Well, some hardcore dudes. Yeah. They didn't raise any Zach tips. was a hardcore guy. The rest of them were fucking glam metal dudes. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. wasn't Zach bringing Chorus out on tour? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, that's probably because uh, Mike Hartsfield talked a lot of shit on Rage back then. <laughs> Not so much shit, but he brought up the point of 
if Rage was meant to be what they were meant to be, they could have been on any label. They didn't have to be on Epic. Like they could have been on Rev and raised Rev up to that level. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like they, they, it was kind of the argument that they weren't a hardcore band because they were on Epic and they didn't have a hardcore ethic, you know, while they were, uh, and Mike, if you're listening to this, feel free to uh, correct me, but that they, while they had their politics were in the right place, their business was mainstream. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how well, therefore their politics, their politics were in the right place, right? So, how seriously could you take their politics if their business was mainstream? Right. I'll I, I'll never begrudge somebody who wants to go out and make a million dollars, and if that's what they're going to do, that's fine. And I'm not going to hold you to those type of politics unless you are screaming out loud that this that you're like this leftist band, and then you're kind of doing everything antithetical to that ideology. So, I mean, they're phonies. I mean. Well, and you got to talk about preaching a converted as well, though. That's 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 like you can't like you have to take your message to other people. But the you know, the other people who got it mm-hmm. are the people who are Buffalo Wild Wings right now watching sure. football games and voting. <laughs> voting yeah. for but I'm sure they got primary. I'm sure they got more. I thought they got more people wrong. than they would have gotten not doing what they did, I feel. Not okay. necessarily. I mean, that that sound would have sold one way or the other. They could have done it. There was like to Chris's point, they could have if you want to talk about raising ships, they could have done a record on Rev. They could have done a record on any label, and that what, sound the people of the sun ten inch isn't good enough for you. No, uh, no. <laughs> <That was laughs> nothing. Too late. I mean, politics um, aside, nothing they did was good enough for me. So fuck them. Fair enough. I love that band. <laughs> the the fact I, is I like that like that record. band's politics didn't even enter into it for so many of the people that love them, and you can tell because so many fucking Trumpy dipshits. Yeah, are, are just like no, but see, are I like so fucking pumped for their gigantic stadium tour. <laughs> right. uh, but I'm saying, like, I don't agree with that. The the Trumpy idiots who are super into them were paying attention. They just paid attention to the wrong things. They paid the attention to protesting. That... Listen, listen. They they paid attention to them protesting outside of the Democratic National Convention, not understanding that it was like, hey, fix your shit. They saw it as them being against the democrats mm-hmm. they paid attention to them saying fuck you i won't do what you tell me yeah i'm not going to do what a democrat tells me fuck them like yeah. that's what they heard and and to the point how sincere are your politics if your business is mainstream they got exactly what they deserved. they have the fan base the exact fan base they deserve <laughs> Fair enough. well yeah i mean these people are they heard they heard "fuck you" owns to what you tell me, and they thought that it meant that the Democrats were uh, were not, you know, were not the Republicans. When in reality, it was that the Democrats were not eating the rich. But these are the same fucking people that watch Fight Club and walk away from it thinking that it's about fighting. Like not. these are people that are too fucking dumb for satire, too fucking dumb for any kind of nuance at all. Yep. Yeah. And their biggest Which crime, is really, most people. and their favorite yeah. band uses a fucking wah pedal. <laughs> their biggest crime, really, was their uh, cover of EPMD's "I'm House," and that alone is enough to make me hate them forever. <laughs> it's, it's a garbage cover. I was so furious about it. It's it's true. And that whole cover record is fucking garbage. I've listened to like once. I can maybe I'll go back and check it out. But I've he's listened to that record. Like, he, he's an incredible frontman, incredible vocalist. I will never take that mm-hmm. away from him. But that band. 
awful, awful, awful. I upset somebody by asking them. They're a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. Dare say their entire life trajectory is rooted in Rage Against the Machine. And I asked them, what activism have the three of them besides Zach done? And they had no answer. And it was like, and, and that's, and I, and I said, so it's fair to say that three quarters of this tour is a cash grab. And they had no answer. Yeah. On and that the, note. Fact, the simple fact, hold on. The simple fact that they're charging over $100 a ticket. And then the uh, donation ticket is like $50 more. And they're just donating that additional money. Like, it's bullshit. Yeah, I never understand when, like, you know, places are like, if you buy this, we'll donate a dollar. How about you donate, like, you know, your other stuff? Like, from what I you're taking. Right off. <laughs> you yeah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's just, it's bullshit that, like, they didn't, the, the donation money didn't come out of their ticket price. They raised the ticket price to have donation money. Yeah. That's like, so you weird. can't tell me this isn't a fucking cash grab. Yeah. And maybe Zach will put some of that cash into the right places. Mm-hmm. But those other three probably fucking aren't. Yeah. Anyway, enough hate for the moment. <laughs> are we still on a nautical theme now? Or are we going somewhere else? Go somewhere else. <laughs> so wait. I, know Chris, I know Chris wants to talk about the love boat. If we're talking about ships. And well, I, I want to talk about one, one thing since this terror. No, don't. Since this terror uh, song came out today, just really quickly, like, what's your favorite terror record? Slowest to the low. I feel like Larry doesn't have an answer, so let's put him on the spot. <laughs> Keepers of the faith. Yeah, it, Larry. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not really well versed in terror. I only really started actually listening to him probably about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was just basically because like, okay, what, what am I missing here? You know, I mean, there are a lot of bands that have just like, just missed me because there's just so much stuff. And I'm, they were a name that keeps getting put out there. I knew uh, Mr. Uh, our friend from North Buffalo. Is that where he lives? <laughs> yeah. yeah so stop in North Buffalo. Right. So, and I thought to myself, like, he's been around forever. So I really need to investigate this, but of, of all the records, that's the one I dig the best. And I think, the thing that actually sells me on it. And I don't know this man for the next fucking person uh, are his vocals. I, I love his vocals. They're great. Mm-hmm. And they play just fast enough. Um, it's not generally a style of hardcore. I dig a whole lot, but they do it really, really well. It's kind of like how I feel about trapped under ice. Like there's, um, there's a lot of really high points there enough for me to really enjoy them and the vocals like kind of are what move me and generally with bands it's not the vocals you know um but with those two bands it is and they have enough hooks there that keep me interested you know but that record in particular is the one i'll listen to yeah i think that's the one i listen to the most as well just because it's so catchy yeah Um, yeah yeah i mean they've, they've got a good grasp of what i feel my narrow vision of what hardcore should be they've got like a really good grasp on it they had they had all this other stuff in um but it doesn't stray too far from the formula that i prefer have you listened to trapped in a world larry i have not i have not 
I think that record might be um, might be more interesting to you because it's just like a little rougher around the edges, like live live in the studio kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's older songs, okay, and they just redid it like last year, and it's not hard to find. Okay, cool. they're not hard to find. Chris, what's mine your- is uh, mine is keep, mine is keepers of the faith, like hands down, like that yeah, record, like. like they've they've also done enough records to where like by the time i decided that maybe i should check them out that i was like well which one do i start with and (laughs) no i mean it's not i mean we're not talking a lot i mean there's enough there to where i'm like man i don't want to get a bummer record and then be turned Mm -hmm. off by it but i fortunately i was able you know that one and lowest of the low but that one is the one i really like and i'm like you know again there are just a lot of bands like it was funny i was talking to my buddy I didn't listen to Trapped Under Ice until three or four years ago. And they're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, I just, you know, I'm the guy who will listen to the first two records by a band I heard back in 1987 before I'll listen to something new. Yeah. You know, not always. There's plenty of new bands I do enjoy, but um, you've only got so much headspace, man. And there's just some stuff that just escapes you. And particularly in a time when they were really making, hey, I wasn't, I wasn't checked out on hardcore, but I wasn't paying as much attention as i had you know because i had other priorities at the time so yeah. i mean secrets in the world is a great now. record like it's such a good record the first trap under ice lp so good i'm gonna i throw think off. i think both bands both those bands sound i think the faster they play the better they are yeah yeah so, totally sorry mark i didn't mean to step on you go ahead i'm gonna hot take it here and my favorite terror album is the 25th hour i think you should people should really go back and check that out because i think that is their best record so okay that's 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 uh that's a hot take like and and, you know and i'm a big fan of damned and ashamed i'm not i'm not ashamed to admit that yeah i think 25th hour is the best record i'm a big fan of live by the code i think it's really cool man but it's not i don't think they've put out a bad record but my but my favorite of theirs by a long by a long shot is fucking lowest of the low like that record to me is just like it's it's less polished it's got like enough dynamism in the in the uh in the tempo throughout the record it's got like great fucking uh great like great fast parts great like great mosh parts throughout the whole record Mm -hmm. scott was uh like palpably fucking angry on that so good versus now and on top of that that's like the song lowest of the low is i think the best that human furnace has ever sounded which is saying something mm-hmm. yeah james know. james vocals are vocals his so, fucking his, name is human furnace yeah it's, le- it's legally changed to human furnace if you have a nickname that cool your name is not james anymore. i mean james <laughs> james vocals never sound bad they're always no. yeah. I was gonna say like you oh no, they're always fucking awesome. I just think that that's like the high watermark for him, which is even really force a habit something. sounds great. I know, I know. Larry disagrees with my James take. Go ahead, Larry. No, go ahead. What? 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 I said I his voice it. never sounds bad. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, okay. there's, no, there's and I, I've said this a billion times. Like as far as like if you talk about the quote unquote too big clevo bands right you have integrity and ringworm but like ringworm and, and integrity i've always felt that 
Ringworm just has a much stronger discography. Um, Integrity might have some higher highs, but I, I, I still think, I don't think they've really put out a bad record ever. And I think that they kind of, you know, they've, they've gone more metal and then they've done some grindy things and then they've done stuff that was, you know, more hardcore flavored, but they've always put out good records, you know, where there are, there are integrity records that I just won't fucking touch. I'm just like, this is more than, more than a couple, more than a couple, (laughs) you know, and that, and that's not me being, you know, a hater. It's just, it is what it is. There's some junk out there for sure. Um, Yet somehow integrity gets, you know, well, it's, they well, have no, a, gets more they recognition have the, than ringworm for whatever reason. definitely well it's the ringworm has been more consistent higher it's highs myth- man higher highs it's also the yeah. mythology around that band that is no that that's no small part of their success and you know i'll say what i want about dwight anytime i want but uh the truth <laughs> is he he he's smart that worked out in their favor you know mm-hmm. so he's a good marketer he's a good uh Good pimp. <laughs> Good pimp. All right. So I was I was trying to segue us into shows with the Love Boat, but I guess I'll have to segue yeah. us into shows by like what a seventies uh, cop show pimp reference, right? <laughs> what are we talking here? Starsky and Hutch, man. Let's Starsky talk, about, let's talk about our favorite shows. Our favorite all-time TV shows. Are we doing this draft style? Is the is the song for the episode going to be TV Party? That's perfect. No. That's no. perfect. <laughs> Hill Street Blues. <laughs> all right, Somebody so needs to do an updated version of that. Alex, favorite all-time TV show, first draft pick. Uh, it's Arrested Development. I mean, really, I, and that only that only goes through the original run. Seasons four and five are fine. They're not representative of the show. It's the funniest fucking thing that you'll ever watch in your entire life, and it holds up to rewatches better than anything I've ever seen. You, I, I will watch that show straight through for the 10th time and I will catch 5,000 fucking jokes that I just missed mm-hmm. leading up to that because it's just so layered. I've never watched know, that show. Dude. It's good. It's, it's fucking unbelievable. I mean, yeah. the third season... Okay, so like the first two seasons are complete. The third season, they got notified like they got notified that the season was getting cut short and they were getting canceled because not enough people were watching it. So they kind of wrapped it up in like just a big hurry uh, mm-hmm. and it didn't close out as strong. Uh, like some of the stuff is just kind of like hanging a little bit, but that show is as laugh dense as anything that I've ever seen in my life. It's note perfect as far as like the, the jokiness of it, both, you know, the, the like your standard jokes your visual jokes the some of the shit that they built up like they would build stuff up for two full seasons just to have a reveal that would like knock you on your ass to the point that you have to you have to like pause the show because you're laughing so hard that you you couldn't possibly pay attention for the next 10 minutes and it's like i wish i if i could watch any show again for the first time it would be that one because fucking perfect fair enough a glowing recommendation, Larry. What's your, never got what, into it. Larry, what's your favorite show? Um, it, I 
just because I don't want to get want anybody else to pick it. It's not my absolute favorite show, but it, it well, it could be. Um, the Twilight Zone, the original oh, Twilight fucker. Zone. There's there's no <laughs> that's why I picked it. There and and you can oh my goodness. <laughs> I made where did you get that? Oh, you made that. Yeah, wow. Well, you know what? I'll re- I'll rescind my I will rescind my pick and I'll let Derek and I will comment when Derek picks. So I'll go, with, I'll go with another one. Cause that deserves me to rescind that pick. Um, <laughs> uh, it's blasphemy for a lot of fans of this universe, but I got to go with star Trek, deep space nine. Oh, deep space nine is fucking awesome. Like deep space nine. I would but dare people, say, but people overall, hate that show. It's better than all of them. Cause they're dumb. It's the best writing. It's the best it writing. Is. The characters have a have a clear arc and trajectory. Um, mm-hmm. It still has the optimism of the idea of the Star Trek universe, but they also talk about things that the other series weren't willing to talk about. You know, like what? The, well, the the sort of almost fascist nature of uh, Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna, you know you're going to do it the way we want to, or you're cut off, you know, like there, there's a certain conformity that they, that they, there's an expectation of that as Mm -hmm. far as like to become a part of the Federation. And they talk about that a lot in the series, you know, Um, they had the best villains. The Cardassians were the best villains, you know, and I like the carryover from some of the characters from next generation, which is a really great show. Don't get me wrong. Um, But it, it was it was just a good show. I think the the ending in some ways was a bit weak, and I'm not satisfied with the way they finished Cisco's story. You know, yeah, it was, it was be- definitely a weird way to wrap it up. But the everybody else's wrap up was pretty great. But there are episodes that I can watch over and over again of that series. You know, it's it's fucking great. I, I like all the Star Trek series except for you know voyager was kind of a bit nah you know i haven't watched much of discovery but the original series is amazing particularly season two and uh next generation is great there there's nothing to hate about next generation i just prefer deep space nine you know so that that's that's my favorite series i'll uh i will say on the deep space nine tip versus the other star treks is that deep space nine had Maybe starting season two or three, but Deep Space Nine had an overall encompassing story arc, whereas Next Generation would have multi-part episodes, but they were still pretty standalone. And next, and original series was obviously standalone. Uh, and Voyager just Voyager tried to have an overreaching arc, but it just didn't work because the whole Lost in Space thing isn't really that compelling. She was a great captain, you know? and I think she's a great actress. And I yes. felt I felt that that series did a disservice to her as an actor. I mean, she was yeah. I, I feel that awesome. mostly yeah. I feel like most of the other characters on that series really weren't that interesting, or the interesting pieces about them they didn't explore. Like that series Voyager didn't hold my attention for very long, but Deep Space Nine, if it's on, I'm watching it. Particularly the like last three quarters, you know, like when it really started to get into like uh the Cardassian thing more so and the um Odo's people the Dominion like that whole thing like that's just great stuff to cling on like it's just 
Deep Space Nine is awesome. It, it, it should have been on my list, but I don't know how many we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to Derek. Derek, I guess, you're, I guess you're up, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, mine's Twilight Zone. Uh, there's so many, <laughs> like, <laughs> so many, like, it's Twilight Zone. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Larry. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, you know, one of the first shows I love, but it also freaked me out as a kid. Like, yeah, it was scary. I mean, <laughs> it was scary. <laughs> I mean, like as a kid, like even watching yeah, like to, to serve man or like you know the monsters are doing on Maple Street. Like, oh my god, my neighbors are gonna fucking hurt me. Or you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just it just freaked me out as a kid. But like as an adult, I even love it more. It's just like just the commentary on you know how people are and how the world is and you know uh i don't know i still don't like like puppets and shit because of it but (laughs) i mean if you if you think about the triumph that show is i mean it it conceivably is the best show ever created because you know seasons of television back then were like forever and you think about how much good content and quality writing and acting was on that series. I mean, you had Charles Beaumont, Richard Matheson, Rod Serling writing the bulk of the material. And I mean, you could, they fill in tight, they can fill 48 hours of like episodes of twilight zone and still have plenty to spare that are classic that have become cliche now. But they weren't cliche because they were original ideas. They've become yeah. science, science fiction tropes now, and the yeah. commentary that was embedded in all those stories, in many of those stories, it might seem ham-fisted now. But back then, nobody was addressing some of those concerns, you know. Right. So it's it's right. a great show. Absolutely, owning owning episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good shit. Um, hey. Hey. Hi. Say, say hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Say hi. Hi, hi Derek. Say hi, What's Alex. Hi, Alex. Say hey, scary man in the shadows. <laughs> I'm going to go again. All right, let's go. <laughs> Chris, you're up. Uh, I'm going to go with my first one. I'm going to say MASH. Oh, yeah. That's right. You, um, you said that in the chat. Yeah, I mean, I love MASH, and every time like, MASH is on, much like Deep Space Nine, if it's on, I'm watching it. Though, I mean, I don't know how much of a mash of you guys are, but I prefer, my favorite time period is the uh, BJ Burns era, and then my second favorite would be with Winchester. I wasn't the biggest fan of the early seasons because... To me, Hawkeye and Trapper were very similar characters who only occasionally had divergent opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like when they introduced BJ, he was definitely he was a different character than Hawkeye. And like when Winchester came in, he wasn't while at times he was the foil for their jokes, he was also an intellectual and professional equal to them they just had diverging personalities and you know for every time they got him he would get them you know like so like the dynamics changed and it just became a better show for it when Alan Alda really started to take over I felt 
and I was also really young. I felt that started to get a little too serious, but being older, I can appreciate those episodes as well. Mash. I guess I'm the only Mash fan. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a good I, show. I, I used 100. to watch a lot of those on reruns. I am 100. 103 you are. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite show of all time is Seinfeld because Seinfeld is awesome and it's a show about nothing and it's freaking hilarious and that's all I got to say. <laughs> it's based in New York. It's so New York. It it's so good. So New York. It's so like, you know, you know, when you grew up in New York, things that are New York tend to have a that kind of effect on you. And it's just it's just freaking hilarious and so ridiculous. And that's why it's awesome. So there. Seinfeld. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. <laughs> if you if you if you've never seen Seinfeld, it's probably on 10 o'clock, like wherever you are on like channel whatever so it's always like there's some channel dedicated who do you think has access to podcasts that hasn't seen seven thousand <laughs> episodes of Seinfeld? <laughs> if you have enough technology oh. to have podcasts you have definitely accidentally seen the entire yeah. run of Seinfeld. i mean it's just saying on, just saying on netflix or hulu right now seinfeld's not that. promised to the world you know seinfeld's not promised <laughs> the world is not <laughs> promised alex <laughs> <laughs> We're All not right, talking you're... to villagers in Burma here. But we are. I think we have one, list, one listener in Burma. I think we got one. Our mission to Burma was a success. Speaking of that, so like the episode, the lost episode, had like 40 like views the first freaking day. So like people heard it, shit came out and they like listened to the fucking shit. So that's probably great. Like, that's probably why like some shit was ticking up or whatever no. but anyway the 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 escalation happened the day before the episode came out so the episode really didn't have anything to do with it but i mean people Ooh. people still listen to it though i mean there was a reason why people oh yeah i'm sure they did yeah totally but, but like the the escalation should happen the day before all right let's get off of that narcotic alex next one <laughs> <laughs> I'm torn between two, but I'm going to follow my heart and say The Sopranos. The Sopranos, huh? We're about to get some into deep shit here. <laughs> Why? What's that? Yeah. Oh, say your piece, and then I'm going to ask your opinion on something. Well, I've never uh, seen an entire episode. Me really. either. Me either. It's neither. unbelievable. I'm going to say that's great, whole, though. The whole arc of the show uh, was just unbelievable. And it's like, it follows a lot of the tropes of of you know like mob pop culture stuff but it also diverges from that so much like going into the going into like the fragility of tony soprano and the family dynamics in both senses and all that stuff it's just like it's such an effective deep dive into the psyche of this fucking monster and it also basically begat the entire, uh, the entire like anti-hero TV movement that brought us, you know, Breaking Bad and Mad Men. It essentially created prestige drama on TV. If you want to look at it from you know a, a cultural significance perspective, but even if you're just looking at it in a vacuum as a television show, it's just full of powerhouse fucking performances, unbelievable actors that got recruited to be you know, to be on the show. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it basically was a paradigm shift for television overall. And uh, it, it earned it. 
and it was on HBO, which I didn't have for a long like, time. How long, how long are the episodes? How long are the episodes? About an hour. Yeah. See, I can't handle that, man. I like my, my shows. Like, I like my music. Just give me, like, half hour, 20 minutes, and I'm good. <laughs> you like half hour, 20-minute songs? No. I misunderstood you. Short, fast, and sweet. Joyriding with Frank, if you will. <laughs> What'd you say? Joyriding with Frank. It's on, it's, it's on the Rollins Band hard volume album. It's like oh, the last song. Oh, it's like yeah. it's like thirty minutes long. <laughs> I think it's live. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, probably. So I, d- my question- I just haven't I haven't dove into Sopranos yet because after I wanted to wait till after it was over, and then I just felt like it was so. It's worth it. It's one hundred. There's just so it. much, you know. So I'm it eventually is. going to. I just haven't yet. Also, I, Derek, I you are Derek. You are completely full of shit because I just checked. And Oak Island is sixty-minute episodes. Those are documentaries, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just watched last year. I watched and I it from beginning to end. <laughs> oh, so they could have found the gold, and you have no idea. Uh, no, I they did. They definitely I know. Did not find gold. They found boot leather and fucking sticks. I see bits and pieces of that here because Kelly watches that. I see bits and pieces of it here. So (laughs) she's a fan. Um, So, Alex, certain people have opinions on who killed Tony or who authorized the hit on Tony. Who do you think it was? I mean, the the trigger man was the sketchy looking guy that walked. We know who the trigger man is, but who authorized it? Like, who put the trigger man in position? You know what, man? I guess I'm I'm totally okay with the question mark that uh, that it ends with. And I I, I mean, there You're are a million different fan. theories out there, but I'm really not sure. I mean, I'm I'm an equivocating piece of shit right now, but I really uh, don't be mean. I don't, know. I don't know that I have a strong idea of that. <clears throat> I thought my fucking TV broke when the series ended, though. Oh, really? So everyone did. Everyone. Because I meet you, I was like, what the fuck? Everyone did. It was a great. Life. I remember it was like a controversy. I didn't right. see it, but yeah, clearly it was Ray Liotta. <laughs> yeah. So having watched it from beginning to end, because uh, Justify Arrogance has been pushing for a while that it was Paulie who did it, who who orchestrated it, because mm-hmm. for whatever reason he's obsessed with Paulie having done it. And, and I watched it specifically to see if there were key points where it would like definitely say, hey, it was Pauly. And uh, it's going to mean nothing to any of you except Alex, but I think it was Hesh. Yeah. I can see that. And I think I it was, I think it was Hesh because... What's that? Yeah, because can... he... It's, it's reasonably clear that Tony killed Hesh's girlfriend and trying to kill Tony because he owed Hesh money. And then, and it's, it makes, there's a pretty clear line that Hesh be like, well, he already tried to get me, who's to say he's not going to again, and like get him first. I wish I would have used my uh, time laid off to watch it instead of Oak Island. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's really worth, it's really worth the time. And honestly, if you just like pound through it, like, one episode at a time man like next thing you know you're done yeah Yeah, i mean i watched an episode or as much of an episode as i could before work every day and it took me like 
three months or whatever, but I just got through it. How many I mean, years there are was some it on? episodes. Six or seven seasons or something like that. But some of the yeah. seasons are short. Yeah. Yeah, there were like, um, there was at least one season that was affected by a writer's strike, so it got cut short. Yeah. Okay. And there was the season where uh, dude was holding out for money. Like, okay. Sopranos are also the reason why um, Carnival, Deadwood, and Rome, HBO, why HBO stopped making those. Because Gandolfini wanted more money. So they had to take it from somewhere. Nice. I liked nice. Deadwood. So that was. That yeah, was me too. Like, I, Deadwood and Carnival, I love both of them. And when yeah. I heard that, I stopped watching Sopranos because I was like, fuck that dude. Fuck that dude. Fuck that guy. All right, who's up next? The, uh, Larry, you're up. Quick Sergeant. aside, though, the fucking uh, Many Saints of Newark stinks. Oh, so bad. It was horrible. So bad. Don't watch it. Okay. I won't. Fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced. Now, more, more for the <laughs> listeners than you. Don't fucking watch it. If you were a Sopranos fan, it, it fucking is a travesty. I watched it twice thinking that maybe I was just in a bad mood the first time I watched it. No, I was, I was feeling yourself? perfectly fine. I was feeling but, perfectly fucking fine. The, sh- the, the movie just fucking sucks. So bad about it. Dude, they like, so they, they totally missed the, the tone of a lot of the characters and the tone. And they just did the like, like the cliches of the characters with very little deep dive. And they, they kind of like, they put in ideas that weren't in the show, or at least that I never saw in the show, mm-hmm. that really just didn't make sense. You know, it's just, there was it's just also they a missed the mark. Switch. There was a hard bait and switch for the movie where like the marketing focused on young Tony, which who was actually played by um, James Gandolfini's son. Uh, but really, it was 100% the story of Dickie Moltisanti. Uh, like, who, who gives like, a fuck about that guy? Well, I mean, he doesn't exist in the show, really. Right. Well, only like, only in talk. Like they only talk yeah. about him. And I love Alessandro Nivola. Like that dude's a fucking unbelievable actor. And I think that he was really good in that role. I just think the movie was like basically just like shoveling a pile of rocks from point A to point B and then back from point B to point A. And it didn't fucking accomplish anything. Yeah. Right. It added nothing and detracted a lot. Larry, you're up. Uh, I'll keep it short. Venture Brothers. Uh, that oh, is the same the same thing Alex said about Arrested Development. I laugh harder at that show than I have any show in the history of my watching television. The writing is so dense and so f- smart that it's it's astounding my biggest complaint about it is that it takes forever for them to do a season, but that's because they do everything themselves pretty much. And um, for any comic book nerd or anybody who likes old cartoons or even new cartoons or any kind of pop culture reference at all, it's, it's good, but that's not really what the show is about. Um, When I read what, uh, when I read what they said, the show was actually about, it made perfect sense. And it, the the writing seemed even more poignant like it's about failure these people are total failures at everything they do and it's it's just heartwarming in a way that's kind of like really strange you kind of go from laughing at these characters actually giving a shit 
you know um my particular favorite episode is uh there's a character called the sovereign who is the uh head of um the guild of calamitous intent and you don't know who the sovereign is for a couple seasons and then come to find out it's david bowie (laughs) (laughs) david bowie's two minions are iggy pop and um klaus nomi which is a reference i did not expect to see in any television program at all and it's absolutely hysterical how they portray them and it's just it's a weird fucking show but it's so great and so fulfilling uh you just have to wait forever between well you don't anymore because they're done making it but you had to wait forever like seriously i think there's a three-year delay between two seasons i mean yeah something like that but it's 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 my favorite comedy period i say comedy broadly because it's animated but it is a comedy it's it's so good and it pays to start watching it from the beginning Uh, another good one is they have an episode called tag sell your it where uh the main character dr venture decides he's going to have a yard sale of all the super science equipment and all the superheroes and supervillains decide to show up and go to a yard sale and see what he's selling and it's it's absurd on the face of it, but it's absolutely hysterical. It's so funny. You know, I, I love that show. Nice. I, it was on my list. I fucking love Venture Brothers. The guys so box good. that over there. It's so good. So when was good. it? When was it made? Man, they, start, they started making that early 2000s. Okay. And it, yeah. like I said, they would do two years between seasons because those guys were writing it. They were doing most of the voices. They were, and they had a lot of actors and actresses doing voices as well. But it's the two guys, um, mostly doing the whole thing, and it's just, it's great, you know. Um, and there's there's a really good story arc there, you know. You watch these kids, the Venture Brothers, grow up, um, in spite of the fact that their dad kills them at least twice on accident. <laughs> the yeah, they're like, yeah, they're 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 like, clones. Uh, find out at they're... the end of the first season that they're clones because he keeps killing them accidentally. Because their uh. dad's a failure as a parent, and he keeps killing his kids on it. <laughs> but then so... there's, it also turns out that the dad might also be a clone. Right. He he has it. Tur- he turns out he has a twin brother that um <laughs> that was essentially afterbirth and ends up being smarter and better looking than he is, <laughs> although he's like a dwarf. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. So great. I love it. All right, Derek, you're, you're up to number two here. So I'm gonna, uh, God, are we going past two? Maybe. We'll <laughs> I think we should do three. I think we should just go with three. Right. It's like, uh, we're hitting two hours. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's going kind of long. Um, I'm going to go with a recent one that I uh, watched within the last few months is Afterlife. Uh, Richie Gervais's most recent sitcom. It's, I think it's just on Netflix, but it's equally depressing as it is funny. And uh, I have to be in the right mood to watch it or else I'll just be like broken the next day. But uh, <laughs> it's like about Richie Gervais's wife. Also, Durrell doesn't cry. You know, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't fucking cry. I was just in the mood to ruin someone else's day when I watched it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was... Uh, his, his wife had passed from cancer and like he just like watches videos of her but then like it just shows 
how he deals with life and not giving a fuck with anything. And it's just, it's, it's funny and sad, but definitely check it out if you haven't. Have any of you guys watched it? I have not. No. No. I highly recommend it. Maybe I'll check it out. Do it. Cool. Chris, you're up. Man, I'm trying to think if like I should go with something old or I didn't make a list at all. Uh, what does your heart say? My heart says Magnum PI. Really? Because I mean, the new one? Not to love about. No, 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 no. Fuck you for suggesting that. No. No, man. Magnum PI, Tom Selleck. Oh, yeah. Fucking Higgins. <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed me some Magnum PI. Maybe it was, uh, you know, discovering my stuff. TC and Rick. What about TC and, and Rick? TC and Rick. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> like, it was such a great show. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like, in a lot, even though a lot of the episodes were standalones, yeah. there was the little underlying arc of who was Robin Masters and if it actually was Higgins or not. Did you ever figure that out? I think it ended up being Higgins. I, I think it did, I but think. I don't know that they ever 100% said that it was but there was a lot of like hints that it was um, which is an interesting thing that like you have this guy who apparently is so bipolar so schizophrenic so passive aggressive and fucked up that he allows you to live in his house for free but had who does it through a proxy so he can treat you like shit <laughs> Magnum, <laughs> like so fucking good. Yeah. Only time I ever thought a mustache was cool. <laughs> <laughs> what's the name of I the? You mean, a, mouth, you mean like, a mouth, bro? Yes, <laughs> a mouth, bro. And I definitely wore a Detroit Tigers hat because of Magnum PI. So any old pictures of me swearing a fucking Detroit Tigers hat, fucking Magnum, baby. What's the name? What's the name of TC's company on that show? Island, Island Hoppers. Hoppers. Because I think because Chris Smith like made a T-shirt out of that, which he had like oh did he a while ago. I don't know if you could just buy those, but I think he had one made, which is kind of neat. Funny. All along, I thought Chris was a Cecil Fielder fan. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Cecil Fielder. <laughs> There's a freaking guy. All right, my second favorite show of all time is um, Ridiculousness with Rob Deerdeck. Oh my! I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, what the fuck, dude? No, it's the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Roscoe. Really? No, just joking. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I want to point out that the the two shows you said have no POC in it at all. <laughs> no, my second, actually, my second favorite show um of all time is This Is Us. I don't know if none of you guys probably watch that show, nope. but it's it's one of the best shows ever on television because sounds like some shit that a Be Well fan would say. Maybe, but so this show, this show started with a twist, which was awesome. So, I mean, if you know what the show is about, you would, you get the twist, but if you've never watched the show, watch the first episode, you will be hooked onto the show. Like it'll, it'll like blow your mind, like what the show is actually about. Um, But the cool thing about this show is that the show is told, like the story of the family is told, like not in order. So like, they have like flash forwards, flashbacks and all that stuff. And you know what's going to happen to certain people, but like the journey getting to see what is going to happen to them is part of the, is part of the whole thing of the show. And it's ending this year. It's the sixth and final season, but 
it's a very good show with many people of color in the show. So that's why I like the show. Well, Seinfeld only had a couple of people of color, but This Is Us is a great show. You know, Kelly didn't watch the show and like like a couple months ago, she watched like the whole thing in like a week because it's that good. And so it's just a good show. And I watched it again too, you know, in that time. But it's such a great show. Like watch the first episode. If you don't know anything about the show, you're going to love it. And it's great. That's all I got to say. This is us. It's such a great show. Such a great show. And I know you people don't cry, but you may cry during a couple of episodes because it's it Bro, don't cry. like it hits you like the show hits you like in like half the episode it just hits you like these things that like you associate with like your life and all this stuff. And it's really well written. So half Unless... of the shit I watch these days makes me cry. I'm watching a cat food commercial and I'm fucking fighting back a tear. <laughs> <laughs> it's real, man. You, you live so much of this life and then like everything becomes like. You associate with everything. It's kind of it's freaking nuts. Yeah, anyway. it sucks. I hate it. I, want to the old days. <laughs> I only cry. I only cry when I listen to Still Life. Nineties <laughs> <laughs> emo, emo on ebullition. I'll cry at that, but not because Please. it's emotionally poignant, but because it's so absolutely fucking. Just terrible. because it exists. <laughs> yes. Stop. No. Will you, will you? Will you hate it sitting cross-legged though? Uh, there was there was a they played a show here and um, I was really irritated about the whole thing, and one of the dudes I was living with was said, "Hey, these guys need a place to stay," and I straight up looked at them. I said, "If there's any crying at my house, you're gonna have to sleep in your fucking van." Like, <laughs> just like walked away from him because dude was dude was like crying on stage, and it was the most um. There was nothing earnest about it. There was nothing um, spontaneous about it. It was all a put on. It was the most, it was disgusting. That's, it was really gross. That's it the was unfortunate really, really gross. thing about like a lot of those bands and the bands that were copies of those bands. It was, it was for show. There was no, like, nothing genuine about them for the most part. No, it was yeah. all funny. It was it was dudes with bad sweaters and even worse haircuts trying to get laid and they didn't want to admit that they were trying to get laid. It was that's the worst smart. thing I've ever seen. That's not, that's the truth, man. Those those kids, fuck them. Fair enough, <laughs> Alex. Third show. All right. Um, yeah, this is fucking easy. It's actually my number one show of all time. Uh, I just knew that nobody else was going to touch it, and it is Jackass. Oh Jesus! Okay. Come on, the fucking. Listen, Jackass is like there is nothing funnier than a dude just getting his getting his dick fucking ruined, just like eating nut shots like crazy, getting his head split open, just like fucking you know tasers and mouse traps and like it's all like it's exactly exactly my sense of humor. You see a new movie four times. What is wrong with you? Nothing is wrong. Really, I love having a good time. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite person on that show? Well, I guess it kind of depends. Guy in the gorilla biscuit shirt. Stevo. No, who's your favorite? Who's actually your favorite? I'll tell you mine after you say yours. The guy who gets naked all the time. Chris Pontius. I say honestly, I think that Ryan Dunn might be my favorite. I I like Chris Pontius. Is he dead? The real yeah. car accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Car accident. yeah. You know it's. I'm Ryan Dunn, and this is drunk accident. driving. 
Stop. Yeah. They, um, they say like they, they, when he died and they did like a thing about it, they had some like outtakes from before he died. And they're like, oh yeah, if he dies, it's going to be in a car accident. Crazy. But Will Ryan Dunn had right? the perfect, like he had the perfect uh, level of like, okay. Ryan Dunn and Steve-O are like the two dudes that would basically do fucking anything. Like they had almost no limit to, to the mm-hmm. depravity that they would fucking sink to for, for a laugh. Yeah. But Steve-O was just like, eh, fuck it. Who cares? And Ryan Dunn looked horrified at what he was going to do. And the reluctance is what sold it for him. <laughs> so you know I, that like, I'm sure you know this, but you know that those guys, they were two different camps. Yeah, like there was the the Ben, the Margera, and the Stevo Johnny Knoxville. Like Ben Margera tried to sell the show. They're like, "You're not a big enough star," so they brought in these other guys. Stevo was like an alternative circus performer, so of course he was like, "Eh, who cares?" Whereas Ryan Dunn was legitimately just a jackass from Pennsylvania. Yeah. I did the not like film. the show, but I can tell you that the stuff I did laugh at really hard were like the jokes that didn't involve like poop or somebody getting hurt. Stuff like the one cat running around with the bunny outfit on, like <laughs> being chased, like that stuff was funny. The casket falling Dude, the, out of her the, stuff was funny to right. me. Like like the pr- those kinds of pranks, those ones I would crack up at, but the other stuff I'm just like, I don't need you to get see you getting. Oh, the the one I did appreciate, although I didn't think it was funny, was when they were wearing the uh, invisible fence collar, and the, <laughs> yeah. the dude was like, "I'm never putting that on my dog." Like I was like, it was kind of a cool thing, that, yeah. You know, whatever. Um, what was the other one? I, I always like? liked when the the big guy would chase around the the little guy. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> like in the diapers, like I was like, yeah, the nut shots did nothing for me. But the, like, doing backflips and elephant poop, stuff like that. I was like, are you nah. like, honestly, who doesn't think that seeing somebody get hit in the nuts is hilarious? I don't understand that. Oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna test this at the Dare <laughs> Karma show and see how many people laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there were there were moments of genius. There's oh, a reason and, why none of them have kids. As much <laughs> as I as much as I dislike Bam Margera, I think. The first bit I ever saw him do, the heavy metal alarm clock, I thought that was great. Um, <laughs> he moved all the amps into his parents' house and just started playing. Dude, that the shit would, he did to his parents, like some of that was pretty fun. To his parents, although I think yeah, he's a but total it was like tool. nonstop. He's a tool. He like but that he, was Ryan fun. Dunn's death really fucked him up. Yeah, like that's why he's like so fucked up right now and just can't get like right. Is that why he started listening to him? No, that was before that. <laughs> the worst band ever. Oh, God. Right, Larry, you're up. But yeah, like one of my favorite things about that was when they gave out uh, fucking Bam's phone number at a bar. Or like they posted it online or something. So everybody would like, he was just getting all these calls constantly and he had to change his phone number. Like I thought that was really funny. Yeah, maybe to you. um i could go with rockford files i can go with sctv i could go with the wire i could go with Mm. something local that nobody would even understand wkrp in cincinnati no um (laughs) 
you guys do you guys know who the director paul thomas anderson is yes yeah. okay yeah fucking obviously okay so his his dad was ernie anderson just ernie because Ander- he likes jackass doesn't mean he doesn't know who people are well i you know his dad was I like ernie. highbrow shit too man okay so long as they're getting hit in the nuts man he'll watch anything <laughs> Uh, his dad was ernie anderson ernie anderson was a broadcaster in cleveland who created a uh, a character called goulardi it's it's legendary like it was all smart ass beatnik humor and they showed bad horror films and a lot of people who are older than me um that was something they did on friday and saturday nights it's like a cleveland thing and they would make fun of parma all the time anyway when he moved out to the west coast to start doing voiceovers um he bequeathed his mantle to a guy named ron swede who became the ghoul um i saw so many of my favorite horror films for the first time on the ghoul show and ron swede was absolutely bonkers he was like blowing things up on set and just acting like a complete maniac i saw children shouldn't play with dead things i saw deranged i saw don't look in the basement that that it's not a series but that was probably my favorite show growing up and it was on from from before i was born all the way through the mid 80s so like i was watching it pretty young and seeing films that i had no business watching on this you know um uhf channel here in cleveland um he was also on in detroit for a while too he was pretty popular but um so probably the ghoul but I, i could have really went with the wire sctv or rockford files but the ghoul just came to me and i'm like that show was so great and there's no there's no i mean there's no topping that to me so all right yeah so it's the rockford files (laughs) (laughs) yeah i you know if we're talking straight up series yeah the rockford files if we're talking a series the rockford files that i can watch that show any time of day any time of night it doesn't matter but the ghoul had a bigger impact on me because it was the just ghoul? so bonkers yeah just so bonkers and completely insane all right alex did you have any like like honorable mentions i think you should leave it's it's the best sketch comedy show like it, it bats a thousand <laughs> it bats a thousand like every fucking sketch hits it's absolutely not for everybody, but uh, if it's for you, then it's going to be one of your very favorite things in the whole world. It's just the most fucking awkward brand of comedy in the world. It's okay. good. It's I want I want to give you points for the way you delivered that because I never heard of that show, <laughs> and for half a second I was like, "You just told Mark to leave." <laughs> it's, it's funny though. It is a funny show. I think I think everyone here would appreciate it. Derek. Derek. What yeah. the two white? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. All right, Derek, you're three, you're third, and any honorable mentions that you have as well. Um, uh, shit. I guess. Cheers. Cheers. Huh? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sold that one. Kind of, kind of weird. <laughs> well, no. Okay, I got Pete and Pete. I'm a Nick. I'm a Nick kid, so. Uh, oh, especially when Luscious Jackson was on there at the dance. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love that. It was probably like the last kid show I liked, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I still watch it with my kids and 
it's 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 uh kind of campy and fun so i was late teens early 20s when it was on and it was still a good show i still enjoyed it yeah yeah i feel like he pop was his uncle or something yeah he, he was on the show yeah there was a lot of there's a few other people that were on there too that um notable people but I, they're not in my head right now um you know i i never heard of that show till like five years ago oh wow oh really what yeah well chris I was only 37 when the show somebody, started so. <laughs> right i mean i was like in my 20s also in the 90s i really didn't have a tv or cable for like almost that entire 10-year period yeah yeah uh, that makes sense and like as somebody that sarah worked with uh was involved with a P&P podcast that one of the P&P guys was on a Pete uh, one, yeah, one of the Pete's Peter yes, Pete. one of them big a Peter Pete. little Pete I have no idea because I don't know anything about it I was, I was she was like oh yeah Pete and Pete I'm like I have no fucking idea what you're talking about uh it, it's 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 like a fun show I mean it, there's nothing like deep about it or anything it's just I don't know you just love it I just like it, yeah. All right, Chris, you're up. Uh, what about Derek's honorable mention? Cheers. 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 Yep. I want uh, to go cheers. where I okay. my name. Yeah, man. <laughs> Everyone's dream. Just nobody wants to be the mailman. <laughs> Cliff Clavin, was that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Operation Cliff Clavin. So, a, a little thing about Cheers. One of the few times I hung out with Lamont Bell of grotesque infection fame, he said I looked like Ted Danson. And I was like, I'm never hanging out with this fucking dude again. <laughs> uh, so my third, I'm going to go with The Wire since you didn't, Larry. Uh, has everyone here seen The Wire? I yes. haven't. Yeah. What's wrong with you, Derek? I don't know, man. I just, same thing. I didn't have cable for a long time. I was fucking broken head kids, and I wasn't, uh. I didn't see it till it was after. Till well, I haven't seen the whole long. thing. I didn't see it till after it was over, and I watched it on DVD. Yeah, you need to watch the whole thing from beginning to end. I know a lot of people say the second season is weak. No, and while it's, it's the not third the longest season. The funny thing about the show season? is, like, there there are groups of people that hate each that, that will each hate one individual season but it's different seasons like journalists well, hate each, the season about journalism and of and course so but each season is different from each other showing a different aspect of what's going on but like even like I, I, the second season is the union season right and yep. that's the season that most people don't like but in the in the broad picture of the entirety of the series like it, it's solid, it stands up. Like it makes sense to everything that's going on, and it shows a key piece of everything that's happening that people seem to miss. I think season three, they took a step back because they reacted to the season two, and I'm like, but season two is like it's everything. It's it's what that yeah. whole drug trade hinges on, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know. Yeah, season two is way more important to the series than people want to admit, but because it wasn't all like glam and glitz like the first one they like yeah definitely kind of backpedaled a little bit mm -hmm. but like come on omar's coming omar's coming yeah you know like such a great stringer series, bells such great stringer bell is one of the best one of the best villains on tv he was such a piece absolutely of 
and like really helped launch Peter Selva is not bad to look at either, I'll tell you. Is that not so that even Peter Selva is uh, not bad to look at? Oh, oh yeah, he's a handsome gentleman. You know, like it had it was just a great series, great series. Fucked up cops, drug dealing, learning how to be a drug dealer if you don't already know how. Like, I wonder how many like drug dealer careers that show launched. You know, with a blueprint of how to do it. <laughs> the one thing about that show that drove me nuts is uh, the one I forget the. People. It's been a while since I saw it, but the one cop that has the fucking worst fake American accent that I've ever heard. The dominant guy, the main one, McNulty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. his his American accent. I just is don't. Really good. I just don't care for him. Like. I don't care for him as an actor. I I find him distracting to look at, not in a good way. And and that's the power of the wire that I could get past that because normally that would kill it for me. Like, oh, this guy I can't stand this guy and I won't watch it. Like that's how good the wire is that I could get past this like fucking gargoyle freak show who's one of the main characters. He's ultimately supposed to be as unlikable as as anybody on the show like he's not a sympathetic character at all not at all like not at all he's sometimes worse than the bad guys if they not use bad guys loosely because there really is no good or bad guy on the show maybe uh that school season maybe one of the few good guys that school season was heartbreaking that was so depressing dude just seeing how those kids ended up was heartbreaking you know particularly uh dewey yeah like it just like it was like really like that's the way like that sucks because you're spoiling it for me it's a, there's no digging for treasure that's never going to be found so you know you're not going to watch it <laughs> <laughs> what's your honorable mention chris justified justified huh so Justified was an FX show about uh, a U.S. marshal who shoots someone that maybe it wasn't the cleanest of shoots and has to go back and be a U.S. marshal in his hometown in Kentucky, which is like bumfuck hillbilly Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then dealing with like family dynamics, his former friends is like a big like white supremacist criminal. Uh Timothy Oliphant, and I'm a mark for Timothy Oliphant. I love Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. Deadwood pretty much stereotyped him as a gunfighter, and that's pretty much what he's been in everything since. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Walter Goggins, Walton Goggins is in it, and I love Walton Goggins. I loved him in The Shield. I loved him in Unicorn. I love him in all the shit he does. He plays that white trash scumbag dude perfectly. Um series is just great like and they have in one of the seasons the whole thing is that he's like quick on the draw and it's it's modern times one of the things that sold me on the show was in the first season there's an episode where they're trying to find i believe it's like a uh painting that hitler did and this guy got like stolen from a guy or something the guy's very adamant about getting it back and everybody's like what kind of a piece of shit a has a Hitler painting and B like would admit to it like what the fuck and so they get it back and they return it to the guy and then you find out that the guy 
collects Hitler paintings, and then he burns them. And he just has a room with all of these uh, shelves with jars of ashes. You know, and that's what really like sold me on the series. So one of the themes of the series is how he's like, you know, he's a he's a modern day gunfighter. He's quick on the draw, and it's always the thing like, hey, don't don't shoot this guy this time, whatever, blah blah blah. So in one of the seasons, there's a guy talking about how if you're within X amount of distance on a person, you can't, they can't draw fast enough to shoot you. So they're building up the entire season for this like confrontation, and then when the confrontation happens, it's ridiculous. If you're ever going to watch it, I'm not going to tell you, but it's just fucking ridiculous. It's just like fucking like fucking really? That's what you did? Mm-hmm. Is Walton Goggins like? Does he play a serious role in that? Yes. That's fucked up. I can't. I can't see that dude as anything except like his, uh, you know, Danny McBride foil kind of vibe. Oh, see, I never. I haven't watched. Was that the Gemstones show? Dude, Righteous Gemstones is probably <laughs> the funniest. Like the funniest. You know, like serialized tv show currently going season two just ended you're you're really not that far behind and it yeah i hear it's great i saw him on the shield first i saw him on the shield first so the the selling point of him being unjustified wasn't that far of a stretch for me so yeah he he started as like a serious actor and then moved into like the comedy stuff because he can fucking do it like he played unspeakably uh, funny man yeah, he's ridiculous. Like, he played a transgender character on Sons of Anarchy. When it wasn't, like, not to say when it wasn't okay, but, like, when that would have been a career killer six or seven years ago, you know? And, and it wasn't, like, he didn't play the character as, like, a joke or a stereotype or, like, comedic relief or, oh, what a freak. Like, he, it, was, it was legit. Like, Walton yeah, Goggins a is, is, a, is a, yeah, Walton Goggins is a gem that not many people recognize. Ah. Uh... I see what you did. Seriously, watch Righteous Gemstones. It's so funny. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna check it out now that I remember he's in it, and he's he's fucking fantastic in uh, Ant Man and Wasp. Like I fucking Walton Goggins, man, biggest fucking teeth in the fantastic. game. He's fucking great. Say biggest teeth he's in the game. Massive. He's got some massive veneers, and many shows like make jokes of it because he's got fucking like horse teeth. Oh really? Yeah, he does. Larry, have you seen Righteous Gemstones? I have not. I'm going to though. Are you familiar it with great. it? Like, do you know what it's about? It's it's about uh, some um, uh, preachers that uh, you know, um, crazy televangelist shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mega church dudes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I've I've been I like Danny McBride. I like John Goodman. So like I've been thinking about. I just haven't dove into it yet. I mean, I'm, I'm on spring break next week, so I might start that. That season under Alex is pretty fucking good. It's it's fucking great. And Vice Principals, too, is like... So basically, Danny McBride has done Eastbound and Down, then Vice Principals, and now Righteous Gemstones for HBO. Walton Goggins is on Vice Principals and Righteous Gemstones in prominent roles. But yeah, it's all three of those are fucking hilarious. But Mm -hmm. I think Righteous Gemstones might be the best of the three. He also had a series, um, Unicorn, where he plays a widowed father with like a daughter or two. And like, it's, it's like, you know, it's just your standard sitcom, but it was actually really pretty good. All right. I'm going to pick my last one. Good times. <laughs> Not good times. 
<laughs> well, I was gonna pick like I was gonna pick Chappelle's show because Chappelle's oh, show yeah. is great. But I, are you afraid I can, we'll get canceled? No, I can't pick Dave at this point. Like I think Dave Chappelle kind of sucks right now, so I'm not picking him. I'm this not giving. So it is. It's so great. Good. It's great. It's an amazing show. I was gonna pick the Cosby Show, but that's I can't pick that one either. <laughs> but I'm gonna cheat so, a little so bit. When do we? When do we separate? Not like we, but we. When do we separate the artist from the art? Like I know that there's some goofy kids with mustaches who are all about separating Ian Stewart from Screwdriver, artist separation from art. But like a show like the Cosby show, which really for the time was a very important show. When, when do we make that separation? No, I, when does I, that can still, okay? I can still, the Cosby show is a great show. I can still pick You're it. You're talking about how. I'm not making it my third, my third best show of all time. Michael Jackson is still like totally acceptable to fucking play in public, even though uh, he paid out millions of dollars to cover up the fact that he raped kids. Listen, and you can cut this out if you want, Derek, but Tim McMahon is a huge uh, Michael Jackson didn't do it guy. You need oh, to look really? into it. The only the only political stance he takes is that Michael Jackson didn't do any of that shit. It's not a hill to die on. I think I'm like, it's, a, it's a weird one. If we're talking about like if we're talking about like Cosby versus Dave Chappelle's show, Dave Chappelle's show, even though he was the focal point of the whole thing, mm-hmm. you you knew that there was a whole writers room of people that were involved with that. Like it still felt very much like a group effort. Whereas the Cosby show was very much centered around everything, Bill. Mm-hmm. So well, like it, yeah. it's it's more personal. It was meant to be more meaningful. So the the hypocrisy there kind of sticks out a little bit more. And really, Dave's just guilty of having shitty opinions versus raping people. True. Yes. I think but like even, the Cosby show had the Cosby show the Cosby show was introducing white America to black artists and actors and art forms that white America was not going to see otherwise. Yep. And, and Bill Cosby was a huge fucking star before that though. Yeah. And he was a huge fucking star before that. And yeah, but he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't lay it out like he laid it out for the coffee show. Like, no, we never saw people like that on freaking TV. We saw freaking good times and like what's happening. We didn't yeah. see people, we didn't see people like that. Sure. Right. Right. Right, so like a middle a middle class stable family, like yeah. But my, um, go on. One thing that I find that I've always found really interesting about that show is that like it's I I can't think of any other shows where you know like it's not the Huxtables, it's the Cosby Show, right? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, like obviously you have like Seinfeld, but like that's his fucking name in the show too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I always I thought that was just an interesting little glimpse into the the thought processes behind it narcissism for, for me it, it'll it'll never i don't think she'll ever lose impact with me as far as like you know the things i got to see as part of that but i don't need to go back and watch it though like anymore. the wicked no <laughs> is that the name of the band that vanessa went to see the wicked <laughs> but anyway my number one show, third number three show of all time is 120 Minutes because I think 120 Minutes kind of made me the music fan I am today. Like, that's where it kind of started. That's where, like, that's 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 the hole I fell into, which kind of put me on to everything else that I 
except for hip hop, but everything, it kind of put me onto the, the path that I think I'm on 120 minutes. So that is my favorite, third favorite show of all time. There was a, there was an episode I watched and Rollins was a guest host. And I guess the next week was going to be Peter Murphy and Rollins goes, and next week you're going to hear from Peter Murphy. <laughs> Peter Murphy's voice. And I, cr- I lost it. I cracked up. So yeah. yeah. But like, you know, in the late eighties, like, you know, that's where you saw like, what was like, the if you, was... you, yeah, with 1988 or 19 is actually 1986 to apparently 2003. The first host name oh, was Kevin what? Kevin Seal. Yeah, and then they had that uh, Matt Pinfield for a no, while or something. At Dave the Kendall, no? man. Dave Kendall is my 120 Dave minutes host. Kendall. Like, that okay. is the man. That's 120 minutes, man. Like, that's my sweet spot of 120 minutes. And freaking Dave. Lewis Largent is freaking terrible. <laughs> like, you remember Lewis Largent? He was fucking yeah. terrible. <laughs> he was like a grunge guy. He looked, Or he looked like a grunge guy, but I think he was just like a regular dude. They tried to make him look like a grunge guy. Yeah, he was Matt, probably just some guy that they handed a flannel to. Matt Pinfield. <laughs> the original run. The original run was from '86 to 2000. Matt Pinfield was cool too. I like Matt Crazy. Pinfield. But yeah, so that he that, was not. He was knowledgeable, but I hated to hear him talk. He just yeah. Yeah, you don't like his he voice. Was, <laughs> he was my 120 minutes guy. Matt Pinfield. Matt Pinfield. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay, like. I used to tape, I tape all sorts of those shows too, which I, which are kind of useless now because you can find everything on YouTube, but I have like tapes of you of like 120 minute shows that I taped back way back in the day. So yeah, I did not watch 120 minutes. Like I rarely watched it. Really? Cause you go to sleep yeah, early. Because like, you were 67 now, back in like, 1988. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I was like headbanging ball aggressive. Like, like first time I heard a cure song, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I never watch on like Headbangers Ball. Like, I was never like a metal person. Like that's I there. Guess. I mean, you had to sit through two hours to get like ten minutes of some gold. But yeah, it would happen that shit, bro. Yeah, and I that think shit. that I like sat through one or two 120 minutes and got nothing. I was like, yeah, why am I wasting my time on this? Tape it and fast forward through it, bro. Come on, dude. We didn't have <laughs> he, fucking. He could have gotten. He could have gotten all that in one pack of Yo MTV Raps cards, you know. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, I'd make sure I was home on time to watch you on TV raps, though. Let me yeah. tell you. 4 or 4 or 4.30, freaking Dr. Yep. Dre, Ed Lover, freaking Ed Lover yep. dance. Yep. <laughs> the best they, had thing the ever. Saturday, they had the Saturday night show that I would watch a lot, too. Yeah. Fat for anyone? Yeah. Yep. Watched yeah. all that shit. Yeah. That was good stuff. You on TV raps. Did you ever see the I Dr. Mean, Dre, Buffalo, that's, Ed Lover movie? That? You ever see a Dr. Dre Ed Lover the movie? Man? It's yeah. awful. The soundtrack it's so is way bad. better than the movie. Yeah. I, didn't I would know hope so. And the soundtrack's not that great. Like, it, it has yeah. some hits on it, but it's not that great. Yeah. What were you guys saying before that? I was saying you have enough for an episode in the mini-sode now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get that Patreon. Have, right. have any of you guys watched uh, The Last Man on Earth? That will forte absolutely fucking lutely. Yeah, it's pretty good. So at good. least three times all the way through. Is that? Yeah. Are you talking about why the last man on earth, or is this a double no, different? No, 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 no. I stopped watching it when Jason's or is it Jason Sudeikis showed up? That's when I stopped watching it. That uh, that was a that was a tactical error on your part. No, I don't need to watch shows, man, to 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 prove myself. <laughs> <laughs> he watches the shows. The shows don't watch him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that shit. That shit is so good. Like maybe I'll, maybe I'll get back to it at some point. But yeah, I, you know, 
talking about all this makes me realize how poor my show watching decision is in my old age because all I watch is like the Black Ink shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought for sure that you would at least give uh, an honorable mention to Ink Master. Fuck you. <laughs> Anyhow, I think, we should, I, think, I think we should wrap it up and no one's going to yeah, listen totally. this far.